Welcome to the Purposeful Podcast. I'm your host, Jane, founder of Nyla and Purposeful Living. In every episode, we'll be diving into the world of wellness, breaking it down into bite-sized pieces that I hope will change your life. You'll be hearing solo podcasts from myself, as well as from my amazing guests, men and women from every area of the wellness sphere, sharing their journeys and their insights. Ready? Let's dive in. Welcome to episode six. I am finally getting around to recording this. Um, I've had a family member here for the past week who had a pretty tough year and we've really spent the week going deep into her nutrition, uh, breath work, metabolism, um, meditation and really getting her back on track. So today I wanted to talk to you guys about nutrition. Uh, I would say it's the number one question in my DMs. And it's really important that we talk about this because most of the DMs I receive, you know, because our nutrition, our diet is, um, you know, something that for so many people is very confusing. You know, they don't know what to eat. They don't know what they should be eating. There's so much conflicting information out there. And for many women, their weight um, is an issue. It might have been an issue their whole lives, or it might ha- they might have found that um, that issue got worse um, after having children. But a lot of it comes down to um, how women feel about their body image. And I take a very different approach to nutrition. Um, As one of the previous episodes explained, um, nutrition really did save my life uh, because it was a difference between me walking and not walking. It was how I regained my mobility um obviously it was one of the things because there was um attributes of my meditation and and breath work etc but it was a huge part of it and it really did change my perspective on nutrition but as i say the way that i deal with nutrition in my um roots to table um courses that i do is really looking at nutrition from not from the angle of um, our weight and our size, but more from, you know, really understanding the roots of um, what we put into our bodies. Because once you get that, once you start seeing that every time you eat, it really does change your perspective to the point where you do not need to count calories, you do not need to be on restrictive diets, you do not need to um, be kicking yourself about what you're eating the whole time. And, you know, a lot of people will see my Instagram and they're like, well, you're a size eight, what the hell do you know? Um, And I can say firstly, at size 16, age 16 was when I was my biggest size um I've never been you know clinically overweight or anything like that um because I think of the way that I've always um that I have been brought up until that point um 
when it came to understanding food and food sources um you know having grown up in a in a house where my parents were vegetarian um but you know at that time at 16 I was very destructive with my body I was drinking alcohol I was my diet completely changed um you know it I did not look after my body and by not looking after my body I don't mean I wasn't moving around I was I was very active I was still doing sports I'd always done a lot of sports but it was mainly you know the diet changes and the environmental changes that were so key in my body suddenly changing and you know a lot of people will make comments like oh well you're just lucky you have fast metabolism and we have such a limited wrong idea around what metabolism actually means and we're going to go into that um because it's also this idea of you know oh metabolism is the difference of why you you can keep the weight off and I can't or you know oh well you know I remember how many people would say to me oh just wait until you're a mum when you're a mum your metabolism is going to slow down and then you'll know it um did not happen because of, as I say, my environment, the way I eat. But what I did end up with was complete immobility due to inflammation. And that was hugely caused, as I say, by the way I was eating. And I really want to get you guys to see the way you eat in a very different light. And as I say, it's something that I, you know, I go more in in depth with and more personal with um, through Purposeful. But you know, I really want through my podcast to see if I can help someone today um, make a difference to their lives through nutrition. Um, so we're going to start by looking at gut health. And this is going to be a series of podcasts because, you know, nutrition is a big topic to start with. But also because um, for me, there is um, changes that need to be done in our environment but that isn't just a change in the way we eat there's also um, some mindset things going on there Um, but we'll go into those in another episode but right now we're going to talk about gut health um, which I'm sure you've all heard of so with the advent of um, probiotics um a greater awareness was was raised um, around this concept, and it's quite a basic concept of good bacteria um, and bad bacteria. Um, and then fermented foods started kicking off in a huge way. Um, but as I say, it's quite a limited idea when it comes to gut health. So I would have considered myself very healthy at the point where I lost my immobility um, all those years back uh, because I was, you know, I was fitter than most women I knew, um, especially the mums I knew, especially those of my age group or anyone that was like five years older than me. I was working out regularly. Um, I ate what I considered to be a balanced diet and what, you know, it literally ticked all the boxes for any nutritionist or dietitian that I was coming across at that point, um, health-wise. And it was, the key thing here wasn't the, wasn't just the inflammation that I had in my body. It was actually my, it wasn't my gut health, it was my gut intelligence. Um, Because gut intelligence is key. Because 
what's key here is when your gut knows what it should be keeping in and what it should be keeping out. So our intestines are this huge membrane. So it's the largest area of your entire body, like two tennis courts worth of area. Um, and they're made out of trillions of cells. But that membrane is only a single cell layer thick. So to put this into perspective for you, your skin um, is around 50 to 100 layers of cells stacked. Um, and it's this tiny layer, this single cell layer that's protecting your immune system from the outside world. So if that membrane is healthy and intelligent, it's going to absorb exactly what you need from the outside world. And what you don't need, it's going to keep it out. And we find that intelligence located between the cells in that membrane. So between the cells, there are these proteins that they basically hook and eye each other together um, and connect one cell to the other and, and makes and weaves them together really, really tightly. Um, and the problem comes when those joins, those joints, they start to break down. And then you get leakage um, across the entire membrane. And that leak means that the bad stuff is getting out and you're not keeping the good stuff in. So that's probably, you know, you've probably heard of the term leaky gut and that's what we're talking about essentially here. So you also have to remember that even the good stuff, so even the good food, there is stuff in there that you don't want to get through that membrane. So if we take kale and, you know, I mean, kale really had its moment. You'll all remember everyone was, you know, on the kale bandwagon, but it contains some insoluble fibers that we need to stay on the gut side of the membrane and not pass through to your immune system. So it's important to remember this isn't just about eating bad foods. It's about the bad stuff and the good food also going through. Bad stuff. I say bad stuff. The stuff that we just don't want it to go on the wrong side. So the harsh reality is that as good as our membranes are, what scientists are now finding is that there is not a gut membrane that is able to withstand the toxins that are in today's food chain and not be leaky. So the question is, you know, if we're having all these symptoms come up, right, we're getting brain fog, maybe we're gaining extra weight, the difference between the symptomatic and non-symptomatic people when it comes to leaky gut is whether you're now at a point where your system is just too overwhelmed to deal with that leak, okay? Which is the difference between acute and chronic inflammation. So my immobility was chronic inflammation. I was now technically symptomatic because I couldn't walk, um, but... I probably had been non-symptomatic for many, many years. I'd probably then been symptomatic but not realised it for another many, many years um, until we got to the point where it was now chronic inflammation and that's what I was being told by my 
you know, doctors, when I was bringing up the idea of this being inflammation rather than them, they were like, well, if it's chronic inflammation, you're just going to have to live with it. So if we can look at our intestines, okay, as, um, let's look at them as a fishnet stocking with all these little holes in it, okay, and all the food that you're eating, everything you're putting into your body is leaking through those holes, okay, good and bad, it's leaking through. And now your immune system has to react to all that food and it has to fight all of that food. And that requires a huge amount of energy to clear up that mess. So you're going to cause an an acute inflammatory response or oxidative event and your immune system is now on alert. So if you have all the mechanisms in place to clear up that spillage, you know, that's gone through your gut membrane, you're probably not even aware that you currently have leaky gut. So you're not aware of the inflammation signals. And those are things like post food coma. I don't know about you, but there was a time when I would get very sleepy after eating, but my husband took that to like a whole new hibernating bear level. Um, Brain fog in the afternoon, um, feeling sluggish in the afternoon, uh, in the evening, poor sleep quality, um, low sex drive. These are all signals of this low grade inflammatory response. Because, you know, think of it like this, your body is putting all of its energy now into dealing with your gut. And it's not worried about dealing with your sleep patterns or your metabolism, for example. Um, And, you know, for many people, they really feel like, well, you know, this is this is why they're feeling like, damn it, I'm eating really, really well. I'm eating very, very clean and my health is not improving. Um, And what they might be looking at right here is a leaky gut that they just don't know about. And if we're going back to metabolism that I just mentioned, um, we, and you probably grew up with this as well, we all grew up with this idea around metabolism where it was just defined as, um, you know, the the reason why you stay skinny and I don't, you know, that was, that was what metabolism was. Um, you know, I know my experience was, you know, being told all the time as a child, oh, you've got your dad's metabolism. Oh, you've got your dad's fast metabolism. Um, you know, but as I say, before I became a mum, so many women who would tell me, oh, well, your metabolism is going to slow down once you have kids. You know, you just wait. And, you know, metabolism is so much more of that, more than that, because your metabolism is the sum of every cell process in your body, your detoxification, your immune system, digestive system, uh, menstrual cycle, thyroid, sex drive, um, your ability to repair after injury. Um, It's basically an indicator of every part of your body and how it's functioning. And this amazing indicator of our overall um, health and metabolism is a study of of mitochondrial science basically um the mitochondria live inside of 
all of our cells. Um, and these are the guys that are taking everything that comes in. So all the carbohydrates, the glucose, the fats in your diet, all of those are processed through those mitochondria and they're made into um, a fuel that you can burn, which is known as the molecule ATP. And then that molecule is what you basically run on. So you cannot um, process any of your food into a usable fuel unless you have first, you've got the bacteria, which are eating all that food and turning it into micro and macronutrients used to feed the mitochondria. And then the mitochondria will then digest them again and turn it into ATP, which is, as I say, what you run on, okay? So when we're in a toxic environment, um, and when I say toxic environment, I'm talking about the makeup that you're using, the shower products you're using, the products you're using to clean your house, um, the foods you are ingesting, the pesticides you're exposing yourself to. Um, the mitochondria are the first to be affected by that. So scientists can see a distinct a correlation between injury um, to those mitochondria um, and and all of and your environment and which becomes you know the mitochondria becomes less and less efficient at burning fuel and from there the hormone system kicks in and it's really your hormone system is really attuned to adversity so when you have an injury or there's problems in in the larger environment or the micro environments that's your mitochondria um your hormone system starts to respond and then we start to also see hormonal imbalances and hormonal problems so obviously the question is okay where's this originating from what on earth can i do about it if i don't even know that i've that I have this issue. And the problem is quite simple. It originates in our nutrition, okay? But more importantly, it originates in our soil. So if we specifically look at the UK, okay, the UK farming landscape changed hugely following the war. Apart from the fact that if you ask your um, grandmother, if you're lucky enough to still have her around, um, she will have had her own garden, she will have grown her own food and that all changed and we got, you know, big farming. Um, the pesticide landscape changed after the war, you know, um, when the Allies after the First World, you know, after the Second World War rather, um, had used DDT as insecticide, they used it to control um, typhus and malaria and then, you know, that's where, where some of the first pesticides were coming. And then the 1970s, when glyphosate, um, which you'll probably have heard about um, through the company Monsanto, um, it, it was manufactured by Monsanto. And it's the active ingredient in, in many weed killers, uh, including the infamous Roundup, which if you live in the UK, you've heard of it. If you live in America, you've heard of it. Um, and then that came on the market. So you know, these chemicals in the 1970s were originally used in Vietnam that were used to um, kill off the plants and the, um, basically the jungle so that the, um, 
they could see the Viet Cong running through the jungle. Simple as. And then the war ended and they needed a new use for all this excess chemical that they had. And so similar compounds were developed from um, from this and, you know, from the organophosphate family. And these are what we know as toxins. And what these toxins do is that they block the ability of enzymes in the plant and the soil and the bacteria from making the nutrients in your food which actually treat disease. So I'm just going to let that sink in a moment and I don't know if it needs repeating but it probably does but what those pesticides are doing, what that organophosphate family in those pesticides is doing, um, it's blocking the ability of enzymes in the plant, in the soil, in the bacteria, because, you know, that's, you know, how many times, you know, have you been told, get the, get the bacteria from the soil. Um, it's stopping it from making the nutrients in your food that treat disease. So these medicinal properties in our foods are, um, called alkaloids and they break down into a dozen families like antidepressants, um, anti-cancer, anti-diabetic compounds. Um, so everything that now so many people are medicating themselves for to prevent or treat um, because they're using medication to replace what is missing in our food. And that is what glyphosate glyphosate is doing so to give you some perspective in the UK with the current situation with the use of um, things like Roundup uh, with Brexit and our departure from the EU it means that you can now use glyphosate for another five years so until 2025 with absolutely no problem it has been banned in some areas, uh, for example, Glastonbury, uh, Brighton and Hove, uh, Hammersmith and Fulham were actually the first London borough to to um, to ban its use. Um, if you're living in Spain, like myself, the only places that have banned the use is Barcelona, Madrid and Zaragoza. Um and in America, for example, it's so widely used that it's actually quite scary how widely used it is. And that's why you might have seen so many influencers, American influencers, talking about how they have travelled to Europe, namely, for example, Italy, where where it has been completely banned. Um, and and suddenly they feel a lot better, they're able to use gluten, it's actually that they are not being bombarded with the pesticides. Um, so I know it's a lot of information to take in, I know it's a little bit overwhelming because then it's like, oh my god, is there any way I can escape from this if the place I'm currently living in is has not banned this i am going to put some links below so that you can see in the uk uh where it is banned or where it is slowly being banned because it's actually quite a lot of places now um not the case in spain unfortunately um but you know as i say i know it can be scary because you know these are you know pesticides aren't just staying 
in the plant itself. You know, this is getting into our rainwater. This is getting into, um, this is getting into us one way or another. Um, it's exactly what we will be covering in our next episode on nutrition. So please come back and join me then. And I promise I will get this one out as quickly as possible because I know so many of you are going to be anxious to find out exactly what you can do. Thanks for listening to Purposeful with Jane. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help other people find it, I would really appreciate you taking a moment to rate or leave a review. If you know someone who is looking to take back the reins of their health, find purpose and balance in their business and well-being, or perhaps is looking for wellness guidance, find out more about how I can help you achieve those goals. You can check out my programs at www.purpose-full.co.uk.